what does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer every Monday on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hello, my name is Michael O'Fay and I'm joined by my wife, Marsha O'Fay, every week to break down the intersection of minimalism and veganism. You can find all of our articles, recipes and more podcast episodes like this one over at theminimalistvegan.com. In this episode, we're tackling a juicy topic, the grey area of veganism. Uh, There's quite a lot of confusion around the vegan movement at the moment, particularly as the popularity gains momentum. And we just wanted to have a really honest and frank conversation about uh, where some of this confusion is coming from uh, and how we can better protect the purity um, of veganism, whilst also being quite realistic about what to expect as well. I think this is a really important conversation and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, I'll leave it at that and I'll check in after the episode to fill in any gaps. All right. Ready to rumble? <laughs> <laughs> Ready to rumble? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm ready to rumble with you. Nice, nice. Cool. Well, we put this together quite quickly. Yeah, we did. We've got a lot to say on this topic. Well, maybe maybe not. We might run out of steam pretty quickly, <laughs> who knows? Because there's a lot of, like, I, I feel like what we're about to cover could be so many separate podcasts in itself. So yeah. we'll try and keep it a bit more higher level. Um, a bit more concise as well. A bit more concise. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll see what, you know, if you guys are wanting to dive a little bit more deeply into some of these topics and let us know, and then we can start to, you know, really break that down in future episodes. Yeah. But what are we talking about today? So we're talking about the grey area of veganism and how people tend to water things down a little bit, maybe willingly or unwillingly, because they may not understand the definition of veganism. They may not know what's classified as vegan or not in terms of the processes that go into place to make a product, for instance. Yeah. Or the fact that it's still harming an animal when they think that it's just a a buy a happy byproduct of an animal. Yeah. So they don't see it as exploitation, for instance. Yes. So, yeah. Th- yeah and and then people that aren't vegan don't understand, you know, they might be buying a present for someone that is vegan and not know that. Yeah, it confu- like, you know, we've got a... It's, you know, I was just showing you earlier the Google trends in veganism and the search term veganism over the last five years. And you can see that it's a very um, consistent growth pattern year yeah. and year and year in terms of the interest in veganism. And not to say that that's like the only metric um, to measure the growth because, you know, it varies depending where you are in the world and, um, and what's happening. But at least based on that data and what we're seeing and what we're seeing in shops and what we're seeing and how we're interacting with people, it's clear that there are people more interested in veganism yeah, uh, to some degree. And with Well, that, I think there's more people around them that are becoming vegan, so it's sparking curiosity in others to, to do a bit more digging themselves and go, well, actually, what does being vegan involve or what, you know, what is vegan? Yeah, exactly. So, and with that popularity, it's I think we need to keep coming back to you know, what it is. Mm. And, um, you know, as you said, to 
to make sure that it's fairly consistent. Yeah. Um, not to police it because we don't want that, <laughs> but just just to make sure that it's it's genuine and you and know, just to maybe bring a bit more awareness because I mean some things took us a while to kind of get an understanding of and think that they might not be a non-vegan option. Yeah. So for instance, like alcohol, we used to think that all alcohol was vegan. Well, I did before we became vegan anyways. Yeah. Well, let's go. Let's get into it then. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got some... So shall we talk about the definition of veganism before we get into it? Sure. And talk about how, what the the vegan society, which yes. is the founding Donald Watson in 1944 that coined that term and yeah. actually gave a proper definition and created the vegan society. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he sort of started off with vegetarianism. Um, and then felt that the vegetarianism needed um, to be taken a bit further to look at all exploitative practices in human consumerism. And that's when the definition of veganism was born, you know, all those years ago. So we've actually got a, I actually wrote a blog post about this as well, which we'll link to on the show notes, which is all about extending the definition of veganism, which yeah. ties in nicely to this episode as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what is the definition? How does he define it there? Okay, so... The definition goes by a philosophy and a way of living which seeks to exclude as far as is possible and practical. It's a very important thing to keep in in mind. All forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing on any other purpose, and by extension promotes the development and use of animal-free alternatives for the benefit of humans, animals, and the environment. In dietary terms, it denotes the practice of dispensing with all products derived wholly or partly from animals. Wow. So it's it's pretty thorough there. And it, you know, I like the way that it seeks to exclude as far as possible and practical. Mm. Um, so, you know, this is really about the intent yeah. and the effort towards and the promotion of alternatives. Yes. Um, which really factors into this. So, you know, I really like this. It's quite a juicy definition and we'll we'll put that snippet in the show notes as well. But I, I think let's just dive into some examples and we might refer back to that definition, but some examples of what is making the vegan movement confusing. So we you mentioned alcohol before. Yeah. Uh, because that's a sneaky one. Yes. Yeah, and we're, we're both caught out on that. And I think, I don't know, there's one thing to say that there was an awareness. And then admittedly for me, I think there was more of a willful ignorance to it. I think it's one of those things that like, I don't know if this is vegan or not. But if I don't know... But if it doesn't matter. Then it doesn't matter. Then it's then it's then then it is vegan. Then it is vegan. In right? my mind, yeah, it's exactly. vegan. <laughs> so if I'm out with friends and I'm having a drink, I don't want to interrupt that flow or that rhythm. And, you know, no one really knows here if this is vegan or not. So I'm just going to claim that it's vegan friendly yeah. and roll with it. Yeah. But then as you look into drinks and alcohol and how it's made, I'm more, I'm more specifically talking about like wine and beer. Um, and then you see that, you know, animal products are used in the thinning process, then then it becomes really apparent that there are some products on the market that, um, you know, do use animal products. Yeah. And uh, there is something in the supply chain that is exploitative towards animals mm. um, as you go really deep on that. So it is a little bit more inconvenient to do that research and to understand what you can and can't drink and knowing that it might 
play a role of interrupting the flow and uh, social interactions. But it is one of those things that for many vegans, they can just willfully be ignorant about. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's really powerful to actually, you know, I've been at a bar and I, you, you and I have both been at bars and we're asking the most weird questions over the counter. I or, remember we were at a wedding a couple of months ago oh yeah. and I felt so annoying. <laughs> just I was just asking, oh, is this wine vegan? They didn't know. Or is this wine vegan? You know, like yeah. I asked about three, four times, or is this vegan? And the food, the canapé started coming out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is this vegan? You know, like yeah. it wasn't too obvious if it was or wasn't. Yes. Like if the, for instance, if the Turkish bread, because sometimes they put milk in there, if it was or wasn't. So it was just like, I know I'm being a pain in the butt, but I would rather know yeah. than consume and be willfully ignorant about it. Yeah. Because I think there are, and this is where the gray area happens, where people are okay with willful ignorance, depending on the situation. And I was starving like a few hours since we'd eaten. And so, but I think for me, veganism is stronger than than being hungry or being annoying to someone. Yeah. So. And, and you learn over time that like could be talking to a shop assistant in a fashion store, talking about materials, or you could be over the bar trying to ask these questions and you can see it on their face that you might need to take it a bit further. It's like, oh, look, do you have, what brands of beer do you have? Or what, what's the, the wine you have? Can I just have a look at the back? Yeah. And then you sort of take that pressure away from them. Yeah. But I think what it does though, what's really powerful about those interactions is that the person serving you, the people around you are seeing this and you might feel like you're an annoying person, but around you, they're seeing an example of what it means to commit Mm. to the avoidance of exploitation as per the definition of veganism. Mm. And it gives more respect and strength to the movement. But it also and it gives educates them a reference and point. helps people yes. behind the bar, for instance, to know like, okay, well, I ended up picking a pear cider because I think that was all that I was certain Yeah. because I looked at the back of it and I checked that it was okay. Yeah. So if another vegan came up and asked, well, what was definitely vegan, then she would have pointed them to the... The pear cider. Yes. Rather than umming and ahhing and wondering, going to ask other people and yes. them not really knowing what's going on. And so, so... And this ties in really nicely to another point of confusion I've seen. And that is honey. Yeah. And this is confusing for for many people. And, mm. and Marsh, you've just published a post about this. Yeah. Um, so please go check that out. Again, we'll link to that in the show notes. But again, I've just met... I've gone up to like a cafe... To mm. order some breakfast. Yeah. And um, I asked them, you know, so what's vegan in your menu? Like, or what is a V or VG <laughs> in the in the menu? What's the definition? Or VE. Or VE, <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the, how am I reading this menu here? Like, just yeah. trying to get some information. And, and then they start going through the options and then they get to a option that includes honey. Yeah. And I can see them just pause. They're yeah. just like, ah, so this does have honey but it's optional not to have honey but i'm not really sure if that's vegan or not because i'm getting a lot of vegans coming over and ordering this food and it seems like 50 percent of them are getting honey and 50 percent are not so i don't actually really know has that anyone actually said that not, to you like not, that? not so specifically but they sort of asked me like do you eat honey or yeah, not? do you eat honey or not you're After vegan you've but told them yeah. correct yeah and that's really interesting to me because that's a great example of the confusion in mm. the gray area and while we've 
why we felt compelled to create that article. And, um, you know, again, this is probably a separate podcast to talk about honey, but, you know, ultimately, you, you know, as, as it stands, you know, if you look at the definition and the, 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 you know, the, the practice, like the, the whole idea of consuming honey, uh, which is technically a animal product that is, um, because bees are animals, bees are animals that yes. are not, uh, necessarily for our use and yeah. our consumption uh, falls into the definition of um, not being vegan. So, um, so it's still you still create this exploitative relationship with bees because they work their whole lives to create honey. Honey is not just harvested from from plants, and then like a lot of work actually goes into creating honey. Yes. And when you think about the fact that a bee only makes a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in their whole lifetime, mm. then it's like that's just insane. Yeah. So the amount of effort and energy that goes into it, yeah, is crazy. Yes. Yeah. And then there's a whole thing but about pollination. But I won't pollination. go into. Yeah, we'll talk about. There's yeah, a lot. There's a lot. We'll to talk do. about it in another. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Episode. But then I find it interesting about the internal and external justification of looking for ways to consume animal products. Yeah. So so we've got a few grey area examples. So we've got willful ignorance in alcohol. Yeah. Right? We can turn a blind eye to that. Yeah. Um, and no one will really notice. So that's why it's easy. Then there's the the whole honey Unless situation. Unless the staff or like it's it's obvious, like if it's a honey cider or something where yes. it's like... But then if it's honey in it, yeah, that's, that's still true. confusing, <laughs> right? Because it's like, well, what's yeah. the verdict on that to a non-vegan? Is that like... So then there's the honey situation... But then there's the um, the the kind of this fight, this justification to look for ways to consume animal products in the vegan community. Yeah. And so we've got, uh, and I think if you talk to most vegans, they'll agree that um, honey is not vegan, and they'll agree that eggs are not vegan. Yeah. But they see that generally. I'm generalizing here, mm. and these are based on conversations I've had that. It's based on commercial, large-scale practices. Yeah. Yeah? Um, but then when it comes to smaller-scale backyard beekeeping, backyard eggs, that's when... Where it's more natural. When it's more natural, that's yeah. when um, we, we start to see... the animals are looked after better and correct. it's like, I'm looking after you, therefore you owe me something. Like yes. it, That's really, at the end of the day, that's what it kind of comes down to. Right. But I just find it interesting how, like, as soon as we go down to that smaller scale, like, my neighbor is a beekeeper, and I know exactly how they get their honey. No bees are harmed. My neighbor's got chickens, and they're lovely, yeah. and I love them, and they've got some leftovers. So it's it's this, like, the fact that we're even trying to justify mm. that I find really interesting. Yeah. And that further makes the the vegan definition and the vegan movement very confusing. Mm. Because we're, we're trying to find ways. We're looking mm. for almost, like you said, off air, loopholes. Yeah. It's like vegan loopholes. Mm. Um, just so we can continue to consume those products when it's not actually necessary to do so. Yeah. Well, I think that by definition, from my understanding, someone that is completely vegan but consumes honey knowingly and happily, they're called plant-based. Yes. So I think that's the definition between a vegan and a plant-based person. Yeah. I don't know where the 
the eggs part come into. I think there's a new definition. Is there? Uh, <laughs> I'm not keeping up with the trends. Vegan, like with the... Double G. Yeah. V-E-double-G-A-N. Yeah. Okay. So that's like a, someone that consumes eggs. Right. But is vegan otherwise. I see. So, yeah. So we've got Again, new, new terms and stuff coming up to... To confuse and dilute the actual... The loopholes. Yeah. We're, we're finding loopholes. And it's... um And, and look... To, like if you I think and we'll get to this in a moment intent is really key here but like I think if if you've mistakenly and we talked about this in the vegan trade-off episode so if you've mistakenly consumed animal products um, that's different to making a conscious decision to consume animal products mm. and then, think that you know you justify it to yourself that yes. it's okay because of x y and z yes so that's another part of the gray area what else do we have here on this list so I think fashion's a massive topic within itself. And I mean, I think that most people will understand that leather is definitely not a... I mean, the only way that I can see someone justifying it is that they think that it's a byproduct of the animal agriculture industry, right? Um, which is false. Mm-hmm. But that's how I can imagine that someone can justify buying and wearing leather goods yeah um and because that's a massive industry in itself like leather is everywhere yeah and you don't also even know what kind of leather it is like which animal you're wearing yeah um or using and it's not it's not easy to get around like furniture is made out of leather car interiors are made out of like it's just it's everywhere yeah Phone covers, you know, notebook, like just everything. Yeah. There's so many areas where you have to dodge even those little bits of leather that the little square that's at the back of your jeans. Yeah. Unnecessarily. We've had, we've had that experience, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of places where leather falls into it. I think where it starts to become a bit of a grey area for people and what I've experienced with fashion is wool mm-hmm. and silk. Mm. Silk, I don't think a lot of people realize is that for the silk to be intact and to be extracted, the silkworms are actually boiled alive. I don't think people realize that it's actually a silkworm that creates Mm. silk. Mm. So they can't extract the silk without killing the silkworm Mm. first. They can do it there's been some ethical ways that again they're trying to find loopholes of how to get silk from silkworms keeping them alive still extracting it but then there's a lot of um it breaks up Mm. so it's like it has a particular term i can't remember but i'll put an article in the show notes about it where there's like people believe that there's an ethical way of extracting silk yep and then wool um, oh, and also down, but yeah. I think that down is a much more obvious thing than wool. You know, I've heard people say, oh, well, the sheep needs to be shorn because otherwise it's going to overheat and like it's just a natural process and they're not harmed. Yeah. Um, but if you actually look into the practice of, and it's a massive industry in yeah. Australia as well as New Zealand, merino wool in particular, we're known for that, is that, it's it's a terrible industry mm. and they do harm the animals. Yeah. So you and kind it, and of... Then, and then we also miss the fundamental fact that like... It's still an animal product. 
Yeah, and it's it's like but it's like chickens lay more eggs the more that you take eggs away from them because they they subconsciously feel like they need to lay more eggs. But they've and, also been bred correct to for that. be lay more eggs. Yeah. So like once upon a time, a chicken would typically lay between twelve and twenty eggs a year. Yeah. Now they'll lay up to three hundred. Correct. So it's just you know you can see where the selective breeding has happened down the line. Yeah. And it's the same with bees and producing honey. Exactly right. So, but if you look at all of these animals in their natural form, like um, what proper wild sheep naturally shed their wool. Yeah. Yeah. But for a long time, I was just like, but we need to, we, we need to help them. Yeah. You know, like, and it's like, well, no, 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 no. That, that, that nature has a weird way of working. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and sheep actually, they naturally shed their wool. So there's actually no need for us. There's to not intervene. that many um, breeds out there. Or many sheep, I imagine, because there's a lot of sheep, obviously, are mainly used for either their meat or their wool. Yeah. And I'm not 100% sure. I haven't looked into the whole wool thing, but I imagine that how they've bred them to be shorn is because they grow the wool much faster. Correct. Um, and obviously, they need to be shorn as well because yeah. they, they don't have that natural... Um, shedding process anymore yeah. but the more that we we support that industry yeah. with our purchases they're breeding the more yeah. sh- sheep are bred for, for that, that specific purpose, purpose yeah. right so, so yeah, it's, i mean circles. it's interesting because i even have a friend of mine um and i only realized the other day that that sheep ended up in an animal sanctuary a local animal sanctuary they did a whole story on it and it's even like it was well it went global uh, my friend was going for a walk, a hike, and she saw this sheep that was massive. And she ended up calling the local rangers and got some help. And in the end, long story short, is that that particular sheep, his name is Chris, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was carrying, he got lost, and he was carrying 41 kilos of wool on what? his body over a five-year period because he hadn't been shorn because he was, like many other sheep, were bred to be shorn yeah. on a regular basis. He was carrying 41 kilos. Wow. I'm surprised he survived considering that Canberra can get really hot. Yeah. And that's like, that's a lot of extra weight. That is a lot. That's crazy. So that he didn't suffocate and die. Yeah. So that was one story of, you know, what can happen yeah. if these sheep are left. Like they can't be in the wild. They they are dependent. It's like how we've bred pets. Yeah. You know, they're dependent on us. Like our yeah. dog wouldn't survive out in the wild. Yeah. Like it's just, it's not possible. Yeah. So it's um. And he needs to be groomed, as, you know, yeah. designed. Yeah. So, so it's, it's... So he's not shedding because people actually don't want pets shedding. <laughs> Well, yeah, my parents' dog. No, no, shit. but it's it's a it's a preference, right? It's like you know yeah, we've got yeah, to yeah. a point where you know we can just you can select we can a breed based on go into a computer and go boop, 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 let's yeah. mix this breed and this breed. Oh, great! This doesn't shed. Yeah, and then let's just bring them, them into the world. And but yeah, but fundamentally, it starts with the the nature of exploitation, right? Yeah. So there's money, there's capitalism to be made in the wool industry. Yeah, that's why oh, we just like how we yeah. breed 
animals to eat them we breed them to get their wool or their byproducts yeah and that feeds into the fashion industry as well Mm -mm. so i think that's a really good example and i think it's important to be clear about fashion because people will ask you Mm. some people will test just how vegan you are you know and um i've had people ask me like we've got those big black puffy jackets that look like 100 percent there's down in them yeah and they're like, oh, so what? Like, what's in your jacket? Is that vegan? So people that don't know what just sure. down means, it's duck down. So it's um, or, duck feathers or, or geese. Geese, yeah. Yeah, typically. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, we got these jackets um, that use different... I forgot what's in them, uh, in, in the jackets themselves. I'll have to check the label. Um, that doesn't have any animal products in there. And and, and for... And in they're those ethically inter- made. Ethically and- made, fair trade, all of that. So, and they perform really well. Yeah. And they look great. And it's interesting in those interactions, people being educated have another reference point like, mm. oh, okay, great. There's an alternative product. Yeah. And, you know, what appears to be an animal product is, is not. Mm. And it's the same with like when people see leather shoes or yeah. anything, like any animal products. Mm. Um, it goes a long way. So I think it's another place to look, turn a blind eye because I think when people think of veganism, they think of meat. Food. Dairy eggs, yeah. Yeah. They, you know, that's becoming clear. There's still confusion there. Yeah. But that's pretty clear to most people. Yeah. Of whether that's vegan or not. But these other things. But full disclosure, I mean, we do get asked. Uh, just last week, I got asked, like, one lady emailed in and she said something along the lines of, you know, how do you feel about because a lot of people when they first become vegan it can be overwhelming because they're dealing with not just food they're dealing with so many other things Mm. which is what we're talking about here but clothes is one of those things that it's like it can get expensive if all of your shoes are leather to go through and chuck everything out and replace them Mm. like that to me is very wasteful yes um and the same with clothes and accessories and all of these things so again (laughs) Some people say take it. Well, I'm looking at, as you're saying that, I'm looking at this definition that says as far as possible and practical. Yeah. So I think that, but it depends. Like for you, for instance, you don't want to touch or wear anything that has any animal product and you were very clear from with that at the beginning. So you got rid of everything. Yeah. My, my reasoning for that is I'm a huge, like I'm a big person on identity. And it's and like all or nothing. It's all or nothing. So like... I just struggle with it. I just struggle looking at myself in the mirror and then putting on a leather belt or leather shoes, even if it's just for myself. Yeah. But I also don't want to, because we're all walking billboards. Yeah. In a way. Mm. Like if you wear Gucci or Nike, Mm. like you're a walking billboard for that brand. Yeah. So I think it's an extension of your brand, an extension of your values. So I took that really seriously, but I 100% understand the other aspect of the yeah. waste, like yeah. unnecessary, yeah. unnecessarily getting rid of things. And you didn't even yeah. have that much to replace yeah. to begin with. So it just depends on the individual. But so for me, on the other hand, like I am a, bit, a little bit different. So I, for instance, won't buy something that's leather, but I might wear something that has... Wool. wool in it that has been handed down to me or you know that I, I normally won't buy it because I don't want to support it but if someone gives me something that has wool in it or it's a blend I'll accept that so this is the thing right and and we're not and I still have leather shoes that yeah. I 
haven't been able to swap out for vegan versions of that I can't sell and I can't gift to somebody else because they're kind of like they're not presentable enough yep. to warrant gifting them to someone sure. or giving them to charity or and I think that's okay like it's again it's we've got to be practical about this yeah I you and I are different yeah. uh, on that spectrum and there's no right or wrong because I can easily play devil's advocate on my approach of someone will offer me a wool jumper and I'll, I'll just decline straight away yeah because again I don't want to represent that on my body I don't yeah. want to promote that product when I wear it every single time but I can easily be challenged on that to say well at the time we had we had a car you're going to get rid of that car because mm. it's made with animal materials from the tires to the interior lever to you know um, the, the car seats to whatever materials is made in that is that practical mm. or like is your house is your apartment that you're supporting uh, made with animal products in mind like you know it, i can understand how you can keep going down and down and how down long and down. is a piece of string yes like there's always going to be something but yes. again it's about practicality to a degree yeah but also willful ignorance yeah as well as doing the best that you can yes but still having <laughs> Yeah. main principles in mind yeah so not bending those rules to suit yourself or looking for loopholes i think yeah. that's the thing is like you know looking for ways to it's like to me it's like trying to find ethical silk is like trying to find ethically grown meat hmm. it's it's it to me it's the same thing yeah you know um it's 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 they're both animals there's no speciesism mm. here and you know it's like the organically grass-fed cow Mm. Um, and the ethically bred silkworm, um, it's it's the same thing. Yeah. So I think it's just the, the loophole nature is just a thing that we will probably just need to be more mindful of. Um, what are some other areas which are really confusing? Well, I think from here, I guess we can go into something that's been quite a hot topic over the last few months is people genuinely talking about and people that aren't vegan having that as their um, objective or their kind of way of justifying or making vegans feel like they're not vegan by calling them out on eating plants that do kill insects in the yes. process of so, growing them. So we've just talked about examples of bees and yeah. the exploitation of bees and we recognise the importance of them in our ecosystem but... You know, all insects are species; they're animals. Yeah. Um, and and they're all important. So, yeah, there's there's been some arguments posed, and it's not the first time. This has been a recurring topic in animal exploitation. I think it comes in waves. Yeah. Especially if it's someone that's quite outspoken, or you know, someone that's famous or whatever. Yeah. That brings it up. So the what what's happening is that uh, an argument's been put forward about death. So we're looking at death in a very binary, practical way. Um, and, you know, veganism a lot of the time is about av avoiding causing death and murder of animals or exploitation. So um, if we're moving past, you know, warm-blooded animals, as was positioned, and we consider insects to be animals, then there's an argument posed that in crop farming um, at a large scale, there's a lot of death 
of insects involved in that process, mm. um, in protecting the crop, in you know shooting pests and making sure that they're reduced to to not harm any of your crops so you can grow that as well and just for the process of fertilization and digging things up and order indirect insects that you're killing so if you're looking at it binary it's like it's not even measurable how much death is caused in in plant-based crop farming um which can draw parallels some people are saying even more death is caused than animal agriculture so if we're looking at it at a binary level then is it really vegan to be consuming plants hmm. and then so that's what that's really interesting because again this is probably another podcast that we need to break it down but we also know that there's a lot of the plant-based industry supports the animal agriculture industry yeah um in terms of you know corn so and soy a, products it's like a and double all, yeah it's like whammy. amplified yeah. right so it's this multiple level so it's like there's the level of death of monocrops large-scale to feed to cows. <laughs> um, so there's death so of insects. So typically soy and corn. Yeah, soy and, and corn. Wheat. Death of insects at that level. Then we feed well, the cows. Well, it's typically, so with monocrops, so, sorry, I just want to yeah, interject. Please. With monocrops, they normally just spray pesticides and herbicides and insecticides to kill all of those crops. Yep. So it's not even in the growing process just to maintain and make sure that the yield is high and strong. Yep they spray the crops to kill all of those insects so that they don't eat their profits. Yes. Um, And in the process, they're also doing a lot of harm to everything around them. Yes. As well as the soil, as well as the bees. Yes. That are coming, that are being shipped in to actually uh, pollinate some of these crops, monocrops, like, for instance, almonds. Yes. But I will cut it off there. Yes. And we'll continue (laughs) this conversation in a honey um, episode. Yes. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up because sure. that in itself with monocrops on a larger scales, they're doing more damage as well to clear all of that land. For instance, what's happening in the Amazon. Yes. They're clearing all that land. Imagine how many animals need to die just for them to be able to plant those monocrops that are being fed in america i think it's something like 75 percent don't quote me but it's a high number it's more Mm. at least 75 percent of crops that are being grown in the states are for the animal agriculture yes and they're clearing the amazon to grow more feed or to have livestock on that land yeah yeah you're absolutely right so there's multiple levels of um, exploitation uh, involved in that process and i'm not going to hide from the fact that there's indirect harm or death being caused to animals from plant-based foods yeah um but i think that's a process i believe can be addressed uh over time and 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 we know that you know it's not probably sustainable for everybody to be self-sufficient and grow their own vegetables or go to the farmer's market every week um there's a convenience and economies of scales to consider but um you know, I think this is where, again, the practicality of veganism needs to come into play. Mm. And But it is still a grey area. And I do think as a society, we do need to do, a, a, not as a society, as a at a global scale, we need to do a better job of consuming foods that are suited for our environment. Getting more local. Getting more local. Getting and, and smaller. How we... And I think it's interesting, like even 50 years ago, more people had veggie patches than they do now. Like the priorities in life to for a lot of people are shifting. Yeah. So it's more about, you know, probably working really hard and playing really hard. Yeah. But the values that I feel that we should be instilling in children in particular is about 
learning how to grow our own food, learning how nat- like how amazing nature is that it's providing this for us. Yeah. And the fact that we're like at this rate, 250 different species of animals are going extinct every single day. Mm. Why, like, why is this happening? Yeah. We have to ask ourselves what is causing all of these extinctions and why we're not doing enough to slow it down. Like, yeah. it's not like we can completely stop it, but... Well, it's but it's inconvenient, right? It's inconvenient to grow your own food. It, 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 that's where things have it's, come I to. I don't think it's inconvenient. I think it's just about mindset. Yes, it is inconvenient, but I think it's There's also, a lot of time required to do it. Yeah. I think we just need to, we need to get smarter about how we do it. Yeah. I mean, know? I'm not, you know, like we definitely don't grow all That's of what our I'm own saying, food. Right? And, like, but then it's supporting, like, for instance, what I was saying with the almonds. Like if you live in Australia, don't be supporting growing almonds from uh, California, which a lot of almonds that yeah. are exported are grown. Yeah. Like if you're already supporting that industry try and get them from someone that's growing them in australia or even locally like i know that if i go to the farmers markets and i see someone that's got walnuts i should technically be buying them from him rather than going to a bulk store or to the supermarket and buying them from the u.s or from china or wherever else they can be grown and you make a really good point there i think it's um what is practical even in consume okay it's one thing to eat vegan food that's fantastic right Hmm. but the next step is to look at how you're sourcing that vegan yeah being more sustainable exactly and um and and i think that's that's the mindset the next stage of Hmm. you know where where we need to get to is how are we supporting these foods how are these crops grown um and and can we limit the death and exploitation to insects and rodents and that in that process and try and reduce the amount of monocrops that we're supporting as well because that's doing massive damage to the environment globally yeah for sure so okay so that's geez yeah these are these are all big topics in them in themselves but i wanted to talk about uh cosmetics the gray areas around you know the the animal exploitation of that industry. And a lot of that feeds into, again, bees, because uh, beeswax is a key ingredient in a lot of cosmetics. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to make too many assumptions, but the, again, there's probably quite a few vegans that might be comfortable, you know, supporting cosmetic pro- uh, cosmetics with beeswax as an ingredient. But beyond that as well, there's this whole uh, huge industry around animal testing yeah. uh, that goes into to cosmetics as well. Um, it's which, becoming more like I think that it's becoming a trend in a positive way where people are promoting products that are cruelty free. Yeah, it's becoming a massive. It's in, yeah. strengthening brands, their yeah. brand presence. Yeah, yeah. But I think where the grey area becomes a little bit unknown is when you have brands that, for instance. For the Australian market, they will put on their product that they're cruelty-free, but their sister brand or their overarching brand sells to China. Now, if you're not aware, but if you sell any cosmetics in China, by law, you need to animal test it before it's available on their market. So by supporting that particular brand and buying their products, you are supporting, you're giving, you're voting with your dollar to give 
them to continue testing on animals and selling to the but that is super Chinese. Great because yeah. that's the same argument as saying I that know. if I go to Domino's yeah. and I buy a vegan friendly Domino's pizza, which everyone is really hyped about right now, yeah, uh, because I've got some new uh, pizza versions, then you're supporting the big yeah. Domino's chain and yeah. the animal agriculture industry. So I think, but it's, I think that it's big. I think that they're trying to make veganism more accessible in that sure. sense. But this is a little bit different in that sense. I think that people are more passionate about. You know, when we used to have our online store, I used to follow a lot of people on social media that would be calling out brands and saying, I no longer want to support them because they've started their sister brand or them in particular have started selling to the Chinese market. And there is a lot of grey area there because a lot of the time people are unaware of this. Yeah. But they tend to take a stand on it and go, oh, well, I'm not going to support them anymore. But they'll yeah. still go to Domino's and eat their vegan pizza. So I think that there is a still a, a high moral value given in that sense than it is trying to push a whole pizza chain to just sell vegan pizzas. Yes. Technically, you're just crowding out. Like they're coming, they're bringing on more vegan options and you're helping them crowd out the other uh, pizza yep. options. But when someone willingly chooses to sell to the Chinese market and they need to test on animals, like I think it is a little bit different in that okay. sense. Yeah. I mean, I understand what you're saying because yeah. I was coming to that conclusion myself. Yeah. But I think that it's still a little bit easier to define it that way. Like at some point you do have to draw the line. Yes. And make it as practical as possible because there's always different options with cosmetics. You've always got options. And veganism is not about being perfect. Well, there's but no such thing. There's no such thing, but it's about putting in more effort. And I hope that's like, I think, you know, where we wanted to land with this conversation is about respecting the vegan movement. It's not like respecting the vegan movement for human beings is about respecting the vegan movement for animals. Yeah. And, and I think a great measure of respect of veganism is, you know, if you're out with some of your best friends or your close family and you're presented with a situation where you can find a loophole and you can push those boundaries in all the things that we've mentioned so far, whether it's in, you know, in alcohol and fashion and in honeybees and whatever it is, and you can push that loophole. And we've all had this experience. Somebody turns around and says, um, oh, look, I won't tell anyone if you if you have this drink or I won't tell anyone if you just have this this egg this time round. Right? Yeah. That in itself shows that it's a moment. It's a moment in the interaction to basically It's like you're being tested but without being tested. But it's not even like you're being tested. It's like it's it's a moment of respect. Yeah. Right? You do, you want to get to a point where somebody mm. wouldn't even suggest that. Yeah. Because I still get told that. Right? After five years. Okay. But it's it's about like, it's about the intent. Mm. Like this is a, this is a really, it's a committed lifestyle for something beyond yourself. Mm. And every interaction, everything you represent is, is adding to the authenticity and the integrity of the brand of veganism for the animals, or it's making it more flexible. Yeah. And it's watering down the whole message altogether. So you become a flexitarian. Yeah. 
Um, and then it gets super confusing. So then, then you hear all these buzzwords like, oh, vegan is just a trend of 2019 and trend this, trend that. Like, no, no, no. This it is seems like it's going to be a trend for every year to come. <laughs> yeah. This is a philosophy of compassion. Yeah. So it's like, like, so yeah, there is no such thing as being perfect, but you do need to like, I think we all need to look ourselves in the mirror and really commit to this lifestyle. And if you're not vegan, I think it's also just being aware of what some of these great areas are and respectful of that. Mm. I'm not trying to push those buttons or help people figure out these loopholes to make them feel justified and comfortable with some of those decisions. I think sometimes people that aren't vegan try and help other vegans in that sense. Like, oh, well, look, it's okay. Like they help them try and justify their oh, actions. Yeah. So it's like, oh, no, and it's okay. And it's no malice. It's actually genuine. Mm. It's genuine. It's like that, you know, they want you to feel they don't like a lot of people see Veganism is a stressful lifestyle. And suffering. Yeah, it's like suffering. you are suffering yeah, it's because not even, of your life It's decision. not even like it's, they, people generally feel this way. It's like, I, I feel sorry for you and mm, yeah. I just, you know, I want to help you. Yeah. So it's coming from a place so of love. So here's a loophole that yeah. you can... <laughs> yeah. 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 And well, I think you've got to obviously remember that when you're interacting with other people and not get angry at them for it, you know, because you can easily be get upset or angry at them for even suggesting that to you or saying oh, I won't tell anyone you know like as I said before I still to this day get that message but it's typically in a form of a joke because they know that I wouldn't yeah they'll know it's outrageous yeah yeah, yeah. so anyways did you want to add anything else before we wrap it up no that's it I think that's it I, I think we've got a lot more to discuss around these topics but I just think we'll yeah, break that, it up into proper yeah yeah, I, I did. I did this one. I think we both wanted to talk about this because it's it's, you know, when you've been a vegan for a while and you're creating content around this movement, you, you, you just see all these conversations and you see um, yeah, people just looking for ways to mm. to bend the rules. Yeah. And, and, I, and I say rules without trying to be like vegan police or whatever. It's just it's just so confusing. You have those interactions at the cafe where they're like, OK, so I think this is vegan. Yeah. Like. Yeah, Help me out here. Because my last 10 interactions with vegans have all been different. So, yeah. and then that's, that's, that's my concern about mm. um, watering down the movement and the gray areas. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sounds good. And also with all of the topics that we've brought up, I mean, there's a couple of them that we already know that we're going to break down individually. But if anything out of that, you thought, oh, I'd love to know more about it let us know mm. so that we make sure that we do an episode on it. So, yeah. you know, obviously things like ethical fashion or animals in the fashion industry and backyard beekeeping or backyard eggs, all that sort of stuff. So yep. just let us know. But that's kind of, they're the three main topics that we'll probably extract from this. But yeah, mm. it helps if you let us know that you want to hear about it so that it keeps us that little bit more accountable. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, we'll share all of the content. We've got a few articles around this topic on our website, so we'll make sure to, to link to those in the show notes as well. So, cool. All okay. right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We'll Bye. chat to you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. So, there it is. Episode 30. Can you believe it? Number three zero. We made it. Uh, of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. And you can find all of the links to the resources that we mentioned in this conversation about veganism over at theminimalistvegan.com slash 030. 
Did you enjoy this episode? Did it spark an interesting conversation in your mind? Have you thought about some of these things? Are you guilty of it? Um, regardless of where you stand on the spectrum of the definition of veganism, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, please reach out via email, social media. We'd love to hear about your experiences, um, about any confusion about this gray area and how you've been dealing with it um, in your journey, whether you're vegan or not. Anyway, guys, look, thanks again for tuning in to the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. We always appreciate your attention. We know there's so many other things you could be doing um, than listening to us have a conversation about the things we talk about. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't already, we'd love your support to leave your rating or review on iTunes. Uh, to my understanding, it helps people find our show uh, and it also helps them decide if this podcast is right for them. Anyway, here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Chat to you next week. Peace.